ghosts are real. That much I know. I've seen them all my life. Goblins and Ghouls, you are listening to I Saw It in a Movie, an advice podcast co-hosted by your friendly cinematic pals at Movie John. I'm the old sport and classic coroner, Rosalie Kicks, and as I mentioned, I've been possessed by the spirit of Vampira. And this is my film pal, the Red Herring, Ryan Silverstein. And each episode, we take a question from our listeners and go to the movies for the answer. So, Ryan, how is it going? It's going all right. I'm enjoying the cooler weather. Um, I no longer feel trapped uh, as much in terms of being oppressed by the humidity. It's been nice out this week. It feels like fall in the air. Um, it feels spooky. So, so I'm, yes. I'm doing okay, all things considered. Yeah, that humidity was very bad. It was. In, it, 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 it makes it for like, restless nights. It does. And it made it feel like summer was coming back. And I was like, no, you were leaving. <laughs> like, just go. Just go. <laughs> uh, so I agree. I've been enjoying that it's been cooler. It definitely makes me want to be outside more, uh, which I have found I love reading outside. Like, yeah, we have a porch. I enjoy reading outside. I think uh, we're going to... Uh, do the fire pit tonight oh cool uh, we did one last trip up to the Mahoning on Friday night um, for their whatever weekend um, <laughs> which uh, they were showing a double feature of Clueless and Mean Girls um, fun. which was a fun double feature and even though it was we saw it on October 2nd but they were playing the same double feature again on October 3rd for Mean Girls Day I guess um but uh, but Clueless was a, f- a fun pairing with it. it. It's always cool to see movies like that on 35. And uh, but we, we we normally we sit outside the car, but we were sitting in the car because it was just too too cold. Um, yeah, it gets really chilly up there. I find like I almost feel like even though it's only a couple hours away, it's like a whole other world because I always even like in the summertime, I still manage to get a little cold. Yeah, yeah. Unless it, once it gets into even August, I'm usually bringing a sweatshirt with me. Sure. Um, you know, especially for those later, later nights. But it's, um, you know, so so it's been good. Like I said, weather-wise, it's been good. I'm hanging in there otherwise. And, you know, but uh, how are you doing? I am doing well. I recently took your lead with I Created My Own halloween watch list which i was thinking because we both did them on letterboxd we should probably share them on the page but definitely we we both made lists of films that we haven't seen that are spooky um, or halloween themed and in making my list i realized i have not watched a lot of cronenberg and 
there's really no reason why I, anything I've watched of David Cronenberg's, I love and, and really enjoy, but I just don't know. I guess I didn't get around to it, but one cool thing on Criterion Channel is this 70s horror uh, list that they have, and there's quite a few Cronenbergs, so I'm hoping to catch up that way. Yeah, and, uh, as you're going through them, you should go and read on Cinema 76. Uh, Tori has been doing a Cronenberg on sex and gender uh, periodic series. So if you go on cinema76.com and you search for Cronenberg, uh, those will pop up. Yeah, I actually was just talking about Tori with my husband Ben this morning because we watched The Brood last night. And when I was letterboxing my review, I noticed that I think it was Garrett mentioned Garrett Smith from I Like to Movie Movie mentioned that Tori wrote something about, I guess it's kind of based on a real experience from Cronenberg of having to save his child from a mm-hmm. cult. Yeah, it's, it's and a crazy I was, story. I was very intrigued. So I bookmarked, like, I need to go back and look at her review. And actually, speaking of her, because this deals with my flick pick for the week, do we want to go into that? Talk sure. about, okay. So today for my flick pick, I'm going to recommend it's currently showing at Salem Horror Fest, which both Ryan and I have been covering. And it started this past weekend, but will once again be playing digitally this coming. So the October 9th to 11th, which I think is really cool that they split it up over two weekends, because then that way, if people kind of just found out about it, you still have time. Mm -hmm. And the passes are like very inexpensive. I think it was like 79 bucks, but there is a lot of movies that you can watch. And also a slew of shorts that are playing, which are really fun. And actually a short that I want to give a shout out to that I really enjoyed from female filmmaker Jenna Jaylet, and it's in the vein of, I would say, Nosferatu, her um, short Mechanical Dancer. I really liked it. I don't know if you got to catch that. Uh, I did, and I also really enjoyed it. I liked the visual style of it. I enjoyed the evoking of a silent movie because they didn't have to do voice work uh, for it. So it's, it's a silent short, which a lot of animation can also get away with not having dialogue or anything. So, uh, but I, I thought I thought it was well done. It was interesting. It had really good atmosphere. Yeah. So that was one I recommend. But the the movie that I'm picking for this week again is also playing at Salem Horror Fest, and it's from Sophie Payard. And from what I saw, I believe this is her first movie, but it's entitled Witches of Hollywood. And it's only like 55 minutes, so it's a pretty swift documentary that's intercut with authors, writers, and critics speaking about the history of how witches were portrayed in Hollywood starting from 1930 until now, and essentially like how these portrayals have led to female power. And I, I will say this, I didn't learn much from the movie because I've seen a lot of these flicks, but I'm just so glad that it exists because I'm hoping that maybe someone younger will find it or someone that's just looking to maybe get into older cinema because I think it did a really good job of like encompassing 
the different movies that have been made, but then also just how the witch kind of evolved over time. So I thought the documentary was done very well. And um, yeah, I think you had checked it out too. Yeah, and, and it reminded me of uh, like something that would be done as like a TV special, like in, in a good yes. way. Where, mm-hmm. um, and again, to your point, I think for me, it wasn't so much about discovering uh, many of the movies in there, although I do actually want to watch um, the George Romero uh, season of The Witch, which I have not seen. Yeah, so it was funny when that clip came on, because I think they said the movie initially was called like Hungry Wives. Yeah. And I was like, what is this? And then they said, oh, the title changed. And then I realized, oh, I've seen this because there's like a clip of this lady being led into a cage like a dog. And I was like, oh, I've seen this. (laughs) Uh, But Ben was sitting there because initially I was like, I don't remember this. And he's like, we've watched this. And then that came on. But yeah, that movie is really interesting. I, I highly recommend checking it out. Uh, and I think that's actually in that Criterion Channel collection of some. Oh, Star cool! Um, Very cool. Yeah. So I, um, so you know, last I think it was last year for Shame Files, we did both. Um, I married a witch and Bell Book and Candle. So yes. it was nice to see those those brought up. But you know, that's my only my only problem with is I do wish it was longer so that it could go into. Um, more obscure movies because I, I know that they're sure. out there from having just done research and things and um, you know I uh, and speaking of Tori she actually just did a piece on witches in like five recent movies starting with the um, uh, I forget his first name Eggers uh, the witch with um, oh the witch yeah um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so like I know that there's I know that there are other films out there and I, you know I I think it's it's a good first effort, um, but I yeah. think there's a way to balance hitting all the you know like hitting the Wicked Witch of the West and Bewitched and stuff, and then also taking at least a little bit of time to dig into a little bit more. Of yeah, definitely. Stuff. Like I I wish that it would have had some of the silent film portrayals in it, mm-hmm. uh, but then again, I don't know. Like I feel like the way it was made, it was trying to make it accessible. Like it wanted it, like it didn't want to scare people away. Like it's like, oh, if you want to try to get into this, here's some like good entry points. So that's why I do feel like a younger person finding it. Like I was thinking, oh my gosh, I want my niece to watch this. Right. That's 18. And she hasn't really delved into older film. So I thought that was kind of cool. But lastly, before you go with your pick, to go back to Tori, since we're making this like a <laughs> show dedicated to Tori. Immediately after watching this documentary, I texted her and I'm like, Tori, I need books about witchcraft. Because I I actually like I've watched a lot of movies with witches and I realized like, oh, they're portrayed in different ways, but I don't really know the history about it. And I've been kind of more intrigued with it, I guess, since being stuck in the house. Like, I'm like, oh, I kind of want a tarot deck. And I kind of want to learn about this stuff. Maybe it's also watching all of these Bella Lugosi movies <laughs> where there's like people, like psychics and fortune tellers. So right away, though, she texted me back and she sent me this whole list. 
And I picked two from a novel idea for her to order. And then I was like, just pick a random third one. So I'm getting like basic witchcraft from Tori, like an entry level, so to speak. Yeah, I definitely feel like witches uh, are in the air because um, my wife has also been dabbling in, I don't know, all kinds of books and weird things have been showing up at the house lately. So, um, For, for Jill. Know, for Jill, yeah. So, Oh, so Jill can be in our coven then. Yeah, definitely. There's there's definitely something witchy in the air. Um, and I think, you know, I, I think witches in Hollywood definitely uh, is tapping into that because you're right. I, I think it is an interesting intersection with the, and I think I think this is my favorite thing about the documentary was not just that they talked about a lot of movies that I enjoyed, but the way that they tied the idea of the witch to the idea of what a woman, you know, should be or supposed to be in society, um, you know, and looking exactly. at it sort of, you know, pre-women's liber- women's liberation, so to speak, quote unquote, and then like as it moves into the more feminist era. Um, so, so yeah, I, yeah. I, I think it was... I think it was very good for what it was. I really enjoyed that was that it exists. I thought the interviewees were actually pretty interesting and entertaining. Um, yeah, they had a good mix too. Mm-hmm. I feel of different people, which was nice. And also, I need to say there were no men interviewed. Well, right. Which there I be. loved though <laughs> because sometimes, like, I mean, especially with the recent like TCM documentary that was made where Mm -hmm. I feel it was in a good heart that they made it the women in film they had a guy make it it's like yeah I (laughs) I don't like that guy um I don't I don't know his work but I'm just saying his work from the other documentary he did that was that he also narrated that was like a history of film and this is like his follow-up Gotcha. But what I I only made it through the first episode of the women in film documentary and did not enjoy it. Yeah, I, it's just things like that perplex me. I don't understand why you're getting a guy to do something that's about women. Like it just doesn't right. make sense. And it's and he's he's not so well. Like again, I couldn't name. I I can't. I actually can't name him off the top of my head. So it's not like he's so. It's not like he's oh, so well. well known that like. Right. Oh, there's a draw. Like it's not like if they got like Leonard Malton to do it, and you're like, well, I kind of understand because at least like with his name on it, like people who might not normally watch it at least like would tune in. Would tune in, but there's no name recognition for this dude. So like, what? No, no. There's right. no reason. There's no reason whatsoever. Get <sighs> Amy anyway. Nicholson to do it. <laughs> yeah, that would have been a good choice. Yeah. But anyway, what is your pick for this week? Yeah, so as you mentioned, uh, I'm also covering the Salem Horror Fest remotely, even though this does look like it would be a very fun festival to attend in person. So I will keep that on my radar for future. Um, And so what I really like that one thing I appreciate about the festival is that it's kind of a mix of a fan convention and a film festival. So in addition to having film screenings and shorts, Um, They're doing retrospectives on like Joe Dante's work this year. And then they also have uh, like panel discussions and lectures the way that you would at like a, like a comic con, uh, which I think is, is just an interesting thing because one thing that um, when Jill and I did our recent shame files episode about Candyman, she was like, I feel like I enjoy talking about horror movies even more than I enjoy watching horror movies and like learning about what people 
get from them and you know the different messages that are included and stuff so i, I like that aspect of the festival and so my pick kind of uh leans that way where i am picking a film a nightmare wakes uh directed by nora uncle she had done a short a couple of years ago uh and this is a movie about mary shelley um and i every year i'm like oh i'm, I'm finally gonna go and like actually read frankenstein and like read up on mary shelley and lord byron and like all that kind of stuff and it never happens but um but i'm always on the lookout for stuff about her because i find her so interesting and how you know not only is she the um the writer of frankenstein but she also wrote other science fiction novels that i think are interesting and i would also like to try to read for myself and learn more about them i think she's an interesting figure there have been a number of movies made about her but this one um mixes her personal experiences that are like based that are things we know about her life plus like the dreams that she was having and sort of creating frankenstein and so it's it's like a gothic romance type movie um, that focuses on her and Percy Shelley and their love affair. And it really kind of ties uh, her having a miscarriage a few years before, like when, you know, the, the famous creation story of Frankenstein takes place a couple years after that, but it sort of ties together her experiences with motherhood and the creature and I think that that's a really interesting metaphor that I don't think, at least I, at least as a man, I don't think about that often in terms of like how Dr. Frankenstein is sort of this perverted mother figure of like, it's a yes. man bringing life into the world, which is unnatural. Um, and so- Hence the monster. Right. Um, so it was good. I enjoyed the performances. Um, uh, Alex Wynn Regan, she, she plays Mary Shelley. And it's one, one of those movies where like, there isn't a ton of dialogue and so there's a lot of like you know having to read her face she's doing a lot of good face acting um not even reacting to things but you know like staring longingly into the distance and evoking a specific emotion um and then tied to that they also had a lecture by uh professor jude wright about uh mary shelley the creation of frankenstein and then how she's been portrayed in other movies and things over the years um and like I either I knew and forgot or just didn't never really put it together that the actress that plays the bride in The Bride of Frankenstein also plays Mary Shelley in the prologue to that movie. Yes. And so like there's a lot of there's just a lot of interesting things there. So watching that hour and a half lecture was a really nice uh way to give even more context to this movie that they're showing. Yeah, I also <clears throat> managed to check this one out and I too I enjoyed it mostly. I do feel though it's one of those like moody, atmospheric type films. So you kind of have to be in the mood for it, so to speak. Like if you're like how you mentioned, I thought it was great. Like there's not a lot of dialogue. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking for something that's really going to engage you, like if you're kind of tired, I would not watch this. Like you need to kind of, Maybe in the morning, like when you're drinking coffee and you're, you know, more, I guess, have energy and you're waking up or something. But I would not put it on like at 11 at night, <laughs> you know, like it, it would maybe be hard to sit through. But you also want to pay attention when you're watching it because mm -hmm. to your point, 
not a lot of dialogue and a lot is happening on the screen. So you want to pay attention. Yeah. And to me to have, you know, a, um, not, ter- not very experienced filmmaker lean into the sort of visual storytelling elements. I, th- I, I was just really impressed by that choice because yeah. I feel like, you know, a lot of, I feel like there are a lot of uh, upcoming directors who are writer directors and like they come to it from a writing perspective and then wanting to film it. Whereas she feels like a visual filmmaker who is definitely. Then, yeah. Yeah. Cause the film is very picturesque, mm-hmm. like the way she uses the settings and it's really just gorgeous to look at. So I yeah. think that like, like I said, you sense like a whole mood and feeling from the film, which yeah, I, I think your point with a new filmmaker, it's hard to do that, but she managed to. Yeah, and I think I would agree with you that ideally this would be watched on a foggy morning with a lot of coffee and you know some nice, uh, maybe not a full English breakfast, but like- Maybe a scone. A scone, yeah, a, a nice warm scone. <laughs> yeah, because you wouldn't want to have a heavy breakfast because then you'd want to take a nap. Right, so yeah, uh, some nice dark coffee and, and a scone. <laughs> But as I said earlier, since we both mentioned Salem Horror Fest picks, I would definitely recommend going to their website, uh, which is just SalemHorror.com. You can purchase a badge for the weekend. I even think there's a badge on there, which like gives you access for like a whole year, Mm -hmm. which is pretty interesting. I haven't seen that before, but very cool. And to your point, I think it would be a really fun fest to go to in person because I imagine there's probably lots of costumes and like spooky fun things to do. Uh, so yeah, yeah. I'm definitely going to add it to my list. Yeah. And I really like how so much of the programming, you know, especially outside of the features is focused on uh, representation and social justice. Um, And I think there's a lot of cool voices um, that I've been checking out in terms of the like lectures and panels. And there's a thing about, you know, the black final girl as an idea. Uh, There's a lecture on menstruation and horror that actually sounds really interesting. Um, So there's, there's a lot of like cool things that I feel like as a newer horror fan, as I would label myself, I almost come to expect, but I feel like are still very new in the, in the film world in general, in the, you know, the male dominated geek universe. Yeah. Uh, I think they're doing a good job. They're, they're slowly letting us in, you know, I think, I think they're seeing like, yep, we like stabbing people too. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Uh, Are you ready for this week's question? I am. And here we go. Dear, I saw in a movie. I am so bummed that I can't make it to a haunted house this year. What's your favorite flick featuring a haunted house? Let's get spooky. Ichabod Crane. Uh, Yeah, so I went to go find a movie uh, for this, and I realized that I actually have not seen that many haunted house movies. And then I think the reason why is I don't enjoy jump scares. I can tolerate a couple of jump scares per movie. Um, but I know a number of years ago, um, Jill and I went and saw The Woman in Black with Daniel Radcliffe because it was like his first big post Harry Potter film role. Oh, um, I I didn't even know that was a movie. 
but I read the book oh, and I so loved the book. It was creepy. The movie is very creepy. There's a lot of like old Victorian toys and things. Like he's walking mm-hmm. through a room and one of those like monkeys with the symbols will just like start going off and like, and the movie is basically a series of jump scares with the story kind of in between those okay. scenes. And like with a jump scare, you know, it's coming. It's, it's just like, I don't, I just don't enjoy that feeling. And again, I'm fine with tolerating them because I know that they are very much part of the horror genre, but I feel like there's a lot of haunted house type movies that like the primary focus is the jump scare. Have you ever gone to an actual haunted house? And I'm not talking about the Disney one. No, because I don't, again, I don't enjoy being startled. Mm -hmm. I worry, and I say this in a joking way, but I actually 100% mean it. I worry that I would get kicked out because if someone startled me the wrong way, I would actually just punch them in the face as a react, like as an instinctive reaction, not as like I'm mad about it, but just like, my fight or flight would kick in in the wrong way. And I I don't know. It just doesn't feel like a thing I would enjoy. Well, so the first, I guess, adventure to a haunted house that I remember is going to the Disney one. Mm -hmm. And I was probably about four or five. And I had a complete meltdown. (laughs) Because for some reason, so we used to go to Disney with my grandparents in the summer. And I don't know, for some reason, my grandpa didn't want to go on the ride. And so my grandmother took us and I can still to this day, like remember being in the part where you're like in the elevator mm-hmm. and the wall is like going down. And the the guy who I guess is like the butler of the place, he just would not stop talking to me. And I was like crying. <laughs> Like screaming, I want my grandpa. And I still remember this. I also had a bad occurrence in Girl Scouts when I was probably about eight. One year we went on a haunted hayride. And like, I still have nightmares about seeing there was like a dentist chair. And like the dentist was leaning over and then he like turned to the hayride and it was like a skeleton. And I was like... (laughs) well, I'm never going to the dentist. (laughs) But I don't know. The hayrides are kind of creepy because they jump on like with you. And they also like I at that point in my life, I had not seen Texas Chainsaw. But at one point, like he came out because now I know who it was. Mm -hmm. But he killed our driver. And then he started driving us. And I was it was terrifying. Like, I don't know if I've ever gone to one of those, like, interactive places ever again. So I cannot really relate to our listener with missing that. Like, I'd much rather watch it through the movies. Same. I mean, and I would much rather go to an actual supposedly haunted location (laughs) than one I know to be populated with actors. Yeah, see, that I would like because I feel like then I know it's real, I guess. And I know that seems really strange because it's probably even more scary. But yeah, I don't really like when things pop out at me uh, or like they talk. I don't want to talk (laughs) with the people. But, you know, for me, when I read this question, there were some obvious picks that Mm -hmm. I had, which 
I know you have seen this one, the 1959 House on Haunted Hill, which I just watched for the first time, in which a millionaire invites people to stay at a large haunted mansion for the evening, and the winner, whoever can like last the night, would receive a cash prize. And it stars Vincent Price. It's directed by William Castle, so there's some hokey elements to it. But to me, like watching it for the first time, I thought it was so fun. Like I really liked it. Extremely fun. And it would have been my pick for not, except for the fact that it is not technically a haunted house movie. Right. Right. (laughs) But I'm glad that we're mentioning it. So. But yeah, I still felt like I wanted to bring it up. But I agree with you. It's not technically a haunted house because there's actually people behind these things (laughs) happening. Um. But then another one that came to mind too, and mostly because I just talked about it on my other podcast, Cinematic Crypt, and this kind of goes along the lines of like what we were just saying about A Nightmare Wakes, which is the 1944, The Uninvited, which is a Lewis Allen film, and it was the first film he directed. It stars Ray Milland, Gail Russell, and Ruth Hussey. And this is more falls under the atmospheric haunted house. So you're not really getting those jump scares. Uh, Essentially, it tells the story of this brother and sister who's played by Milan and Hussey. And they stumble upon this derelict like house. It's abandoned on a seaside coast in England. And they decide to seek out the owner and they purchase it for this like ridiculously low price. And that's because there's a ghost in it. (laughs) So they find out in staying the first night that, hey, we're not alone here. Uh, But what I like about this movie is that they try very hard to not like show you the ghost. It's more relying on your imagination and the sounds you're hearing, which I feel some people seem to forget, like with horror movies, it's really the sounds Mm -hmm. and the music that is scaring you. Because to your point with the jump scares, there's always kind of this build up Mm -hmm. till the ultimate. And and sometimes like I find when you actually see the, the monster or the thing, it's like so stupid. Right, and it, it's right. It, what's scary is the surprise of it, not and the the anticipation right. and, the, and the surprise, not the image itself. Right, and it, like again, I feel it's the whole mood and the way that they set it up when you see it. Uh, but this movie does a really good job of that. But the movie that I ultimately landed on because it did actually scare me. The first time I watched it, and I don't know if you have seen this, is the 1979 Amityville Horror. Uh, I have not, because I am terrified of those kinds of movies. So, (laughs) Well, I do need need to preface that when I watched this, well, one, there was this one October, and my husband and I got married in October, so we typically would go away somewhere for our anniversary and one year we went to the Poconos we found this place online like literally isolated cabins in the woods and the person renting them his name was Martin E 
And so I don't know why, but Ben and I just kept calling him Mystery Martin because he didn't have a last name. Like when we signed the check, it was just Martin E. Weird. So, yeah. So we one year went to these cabins. We took like tons of VHS tapes with us because the place had a VCR, which is like, we were like, this is so cool. No <laughs> DVD player. And this was only like three or four years ago. So I'm not like talking like 20 years back. Right, right. So we take a bunch of VHS because at the time we didn't have a player, but we had all these tapes. So one of them was the 79 Amityville Horror. So I just wanted to say when I watched it, I was in the woods. Mm -hmm. I also had quite a few hard apple ciders. So, you know, take that into account. But the other thing is, too, to know about this, when you look it up, if you, like, haven't seen the movie, there are a lot of these. There are 22 Amityville wow. horrors. Did you know that? I didn't. I know there were a lot because I feel like there's been a lot of, um, like, direct-to-video and, and things that yes. use the Amityville name that may or, not, may or may not even be connected to. Right. And that's because this is one of those movies, it fell into public domain. So people kind of, you know, especially first-time filmmakers, they take this recognizable right. title to try to, like, get on the scene. So there's a lot of them. I've only seen two, okay? So I've only seen the 79, and then I did see the 2005, which has Ryan Reynolds in it, because Ben will watch anything with Ryan Reynolds. I don't mind Reynolds. Like, I find him kind of charming, but I also find like in doses, like he can get overload to me very quick. Yes. And yes, I completely agree. He manages to do that very quick in Amityville Horror. So just be forewarned. Uh, but the 79 version stars James Brolin and uh, Margot Kidder, who I, when I looked this movie up again, I realized like she recently passed mm -hmm. and I got sad. Yeah, I love Margaret Kidder, both in uh, Superman, of course, as mm -hmm. Lois Lane, because uh, Lois Lane is one of my favorite characters of all time, and her performance of that is amazing. Uh, and then also, she's really good in Black Christmas. Yeah. So she, she stars in this with James Brolin. They play George and Kathy Lutz, and essentially, they are a couple of newlyweds. They purchase this home where they didn't know that a mass murder was committed. Yay. <laughs> so apparently this is allegedly based on a real horror experience by this Lutz family. Um, but essentially the legend of the home was that a father murdered his entire family with a shotgun in this house. And, and then one year later, the Lutzes move in, and Kathy has three children from a previous marriage. And the troubles really begin when Kathy decides to have the house blessed, which I didn't even really know this was, like, a thing till like, I watched this movie because I'm not religious. Right. But the priest comes over, and that's, like, when the issues in the home start because, essentially, the house makes the priest sick. Like, he gets a stomach issue, then he goes home, he gets, like, blisters all over his hand, and, well, he dies. So, 
The house is very evil and it starts to possess the father in particular. Um, and one of the things that I find frightening about the house though, like it's always cold, which they say that cold spots and such mean right. that there's ghost activity. So like you keep seeing the father chopping wood because he wants to keep the fire going in the house and he gets like very possessed with chopping wood. He's always with an ax and like the kids come up to him to ask him something and he like has the ax and he's like, what do you want? <laughs> and it's like, Oh, never mind, dad. Like I'm just going to go over here. Uh, but probably the scariest moment for me in this movie, which made it extra scary being in the woods and trying to go to sleep at night was when Kathy looks out her child's bedroom window, which is on the second floor, mind you, and there is a pair of red eyes just staring at her. Yeah, that's pretty creepy. <laughs> yeah, like the first time I saw it, like I was not expecting it. But then the thing that really annoyed me was like when she tries to tell her husband about it, he's like, oh, it was a cat. Like, how did a cat get up to a second story window no well, and they don't have red eyes so no unless it's like an evil cat like no so there's just like a lot of things like that so i don't like yeah there are some jump scares but then there's also kind of this element for me which is like if this stuff act, like it could have actually happened like they're saying that it's based on a true story and we don't really know like I think ghosts are real. Maybe these people were haunted. And so, I don't know. I always find if something can be real, that's when it really scares me. Like, I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I, I kind of feel the same way. And, like, that's sort of why I also stay away from, like, uh, I tend to stay away from demonic possession movies because... Yes, like, they the are same scary. Reason, they're very scary and like it feels like something that could actually get me. Whereas, you know, I feel like if I met a... Like there's things that I don't worry about because they're not going to torment me. Like if I ran into a werewolf, I'm either coming out of that alive or dead. Or maybe a werewolf. Right, either, right. That would be cool. <laughs> um, you know, whereas... I don't like the idea of being, I, I feel like something driving me crazy would not have to work very hard to do, to do so. And so the idea of a ghost psychologically torturing me or messing with me or a demon taking over my body, these are things that I would worry about because you're still aware that these things are happening and you seem like a crazy person. And it's just like when people don't believe you about things, that's also very scary. Uh, well, yeah, kind of or or living with someone possessed, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Like in this Amityville horror, you know, the wife is not possessed, but she's experiencing all of this terrifying stuff. She's trying to explain to the husband, but he is now possessed by the house. So he's just like, no, it's fine. Everything's fine. You are crazy. Yeah, And I yeah. think that... That inevitably makes you then more hysterical because mm -hmm. you're just like, okay, the person I'm living with is, it scares me the idea of like, they just bought this home 
and it's a bad place to live. And it's like, well, where do you go? Right. Like like now if you leave, you're homeless. And like, Mm -hmm. how do you sell this possessed satanic home? Like nobody's going to want it. I mean, the answer clearly is to burn it down for the insurance money. (laughs) They will figure it out. Insurance will figure it out. They investigate that stuff. That's it's hard. Funny. Didn't you watch Double Indemnity? It's I hard. Indemnity. It's hard to get away with insurance fraud. That's true. You will have an Edward G. Robinson insurance yeah. man extraordinaire breathing down your neck after not too long. But I, you know, just one last thing about Amityville, and then we can move on. I would say though, if you are looking for like just a night of like I'm going to have a couple drinks and laugh watch the 2005 one okay because it's not scary it's so just stupid uh and it's definitely like i understand though why this keeps getting remade like i said i think you know anything that ends up in this public domain area Mm -hmm. and it has any sort of following like because to your point a lot of these go direct to disc or direct to video or on demand what have you and the people that watch this stuff are like followers. Like they will religiously watch whatever comes out, no matter how bad it is. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's a bad thing. Like I have now thought like, oh, like for example, the devil bat is in public domain. I'm like, oh. I should remake the devil bat. Rosalie, you should definitely remake <laughs> the devil bat. That would be wonderful. So like, I don't know, like, cause like the material's already there. So it's like all you're doing is putting your own spin on it. But I think... Here's my pitch to you for a Devil Bat sequel. Do it. So it's about them attempt... So really what you would need is it's the lost making of the sequel to the Devil Bat. Yes. Yes. Oh my God, now I want to do this. I'll see you later. I'm signing off. The Devil Bat (laughs) is attacking the production of Devil Bat 2. (laughs) That would be great. The son of Devil Bat. But yeah, I mean, so I'm kind of, I wonder like how far though in the Amityvilles, like if I started watching them, like how far I'd get. I just looked and it looks like the most recent one on Letterboxd uh, has a shark. Oh my God. But it's like, the um uh, wait i just had it hold on um i don't know if it, someone letterbox will show you the related films so it's amityville island came out this year um, <laughs> soon it will be in space uh, a cursed survivor of killings at the amityville house brings evil to a small island where bizarre genetic experiments are carried out on humans and animals oh god well, it's only seventy someone, minutes, though. So, yeah, if someone writes in, maybe, maybe I'll do this adventure. But um, over years of time, of course, I don't want to sit and watch all of them back to back. Yeah, but yes, it, it seems like there's, it seems like there's been at least one a year for the last five or six years and that that's like half of them are ones that like have come out recently you know what would be fun though like if a serious director was like i'm gonna make an amity like a steve mcqueen is gonna make yeah just like randomly decides i'm making an amityville 
there's one that sounds really cool like a really cool premise uh for i'm not saying it's going to be a good movie because it's by a director where this is his only credit but um there's a 1996 amityville dollhouse where someone makes a dollhouse that is a replica of the amityville house and would watch to a child okay ryan you are now so movie john has thrown out the idea of doing an all doll issue and i now assign you this film i would i would watch it for that good so what did you end up picking as your haunted house flick so i ended up picking uh crimson peak the 2015 film from guillermo del toro uh i had not seen it since i saw it in the theater um and i remember like I remember liking it more than most people, but not as much as the people who love this movie. Uh, Cause I feel like there is a small group of people who are mainly women, which I think is interesting um, who really seem to love this movie. And then most yes. of the reaction when it came out was negative. Yeah. It, it definitely is one of those films I feel that has developed a cult following. Definitely. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. And I'm, so I would put myself somewhere in the middle where I definitely like this movie, but I'm not in love with this movie the way that the cult followers of this movie are. But um, right. I picked up the Blu-ray during a recent Arrow video sale because uh, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to digging into uh, the supplemental features and things on this one because I'm generally pretty mixed on Guillermo del Toro's movies um so like shape of water i thought was fine um pan's labyrinth i've not made it through without falling asleep um (laughs) you're very shocked rosalie Um, well because i feel like del toro is one of those directors that is so underappreciated and I don't understand why. So I was ecstatic when he got the recognition for Shape of Water. Uh, but I don't know. That could just be me being a little biased because I love him as a person, like, so much. I, and I his like love of monsters. Right. Like, I like him as a person, and that makes me wish I liked his movies more. And I mm. do feel like... Right, within the Academy and things, he's not as as recognized. But I feel like on film Twitter, especially like horror and horror-adjacent film Twitter, he is revered as some sort of demigod. And Well, that's I'm because not, he is. I mean, and I he knows monsters. Right, and like, I just don't, I just don't feel it. And there's always, and I feel like part of it is that he will sign on to many, many, many projects that will never actually happen. Like he was supposed to do the (laughs) Justice League Dark. He was supposed to do a Haunted Mansion movie for Disney. These are things that are never going to happen. Well, I think he is one of those people too, though. Like he wants it his own way and vision. And the moment like they're taking that away, he's just like, goodbye. You know, and and I, but one thing that I do love about him is he produces so many people's things. Like true, yeah. Like I said, as very a person, I like him. Underrepresented people, mm-hmm. you know, he he has helped their careers, and I think that's great. Uh, but yeah, I I also have seen Crimson Peak, and I kind of feel like I have the same feeling as you do about it. I enjoy it. I think 
the production design, the costumes, the overall look is fascinating to me because I just think so much work was put into making the actual film look that way. But the story, eh, it doesn't like grab me. Right. And, and the thing is, it's 119 minutes and it does not need to be that long. The story is right. not that complicated. And I feel like at a 90 or 100 minute movie, even, uh, I feel like this would be better for it. Like I do think with a, you know, a more judicious uh, editing approach, it would be better because the performances are good. It's not like the performances are bad, but the story is relatively simple and it just takes a long time to, to get there. Like there's a lot of setup at the beginning. Um, there's like an extended prologue with uh, Mia Wyakowska's character and her father and Tom Hiddleston's character is trying to get funding for this project. And it, there's a, there's a lot before you get to the house. And then there's like a, a middle act where, you know, she's trying to figure out what's going, what's really going on. And she's also seeing these apparitions that are, that are ultimately trying to help her, but they're also scaring her a lot because they're ghosts and they're like, they are the kind of ghosts that appear the way in which they were murdered. So there's a ghost that has like a hatchet through their skull and things. And so she's freaking out. She's also being poisoned. Like there's, there's a lot of stuff going on and I feel like, it's just, it goes on for a little bit too long, but I love the design of everything. I love the house and the image of the house with the hole in yeah. the roof. So like there's leaves falling in, even though there's no trees around the house, there's still leaves coming in when it's fall and then there's snow coming in in the winter. And, you know, it's, but it's, it's a little sleepy in that way that some Gothic type stories can be a little sleepy where, right? you know, it's slow and methodical and... Which I, again, you know, for me, this movie, it's all about the look and the feel Mm -hmm. and that's what I'm drawn into and that I like, but it's something that, oh, I may watch every five to seven years. I'm not going to watch it every Halloween, but I still like to visit the space, I guess, so to speak. Uh, Because I agree with you. I think it's a story that they kind of overcomplicate when it could have been cut down. Um, but the performances are great. Like, cause mm-hmm. you, I know, I don't think you mentioned like Jessica Chastain. She is evil. And she's it. very evil. And she's, yeah. she does that. My, one of my favorite versions of an evil performance where like they're being nice to your face, but clearly they're, they're not acting in your best interest. Yep. Cause um, she's the one poisoning. Yep, yep. She's yes. the one pulling all the strings and she is also the one that loses the most by the end of the film. I was yeah. and for not having seen it in five years, I was actually really surprised by how much of it I remembered because mm-hmm. like both in the story and even in like specific sequences. Um so it, you know, it it is the kind of film that will leave an impression on you. I, again, I agree. It's not it's not an annual must watch, but I think in terms of spooky atmosphere and this house is haunted literally by ghosts and then also figuratively by the past, which is, you know, also what yes. ghosts are in a way. Um, you know, but I think the design of it, 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 it's a haunted house I would want to visit because I would just want to take in uh, and soak up all of that atmosphere and the strange wallpaper and the creepy elevator and the clay pits that 
make the ground look like it's bleeding all the time. It's very fun. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was a really good pick and definitely one that doesn't always come top of mind to me, mm-hmm. but you know, I'm glad that you picked that one. All right. So should we sign off? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I hope we helped our listener here, you know, and if you have any haunted house films that you want to share, please tweet to us. We really want people to interact with us more. Uh, so again, don't forget, you can find a breakdown of this episode and all of our episodes on moviejohn.com. You can also subscribe to our quarterly print movie zine, which we have a new issue coming out in November. And the theme just so happens to be noir films. So we'll be celebrating noir vember. And you can subscribe at moviejohn.com slash shop. And then you can also follow us on social media. We are on Twitter at I Saw in a Movie. If you're seeking advice, send us your questions by either sending us a message on Twitter or at dear I saw in a movie at gmail.com. And we also love postal mail. So you can send us mail at P.O. Box 20172, Philadelphia, PA. 19145 Attention Movie John. And Ryan, where can people find you at? Sure. Uh, people can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Silver Whatever. That's with the B. You can also find my writing at cinema76.com, uh, as well as my other podcasts, um, Shame Files, which we just did an episode on Candyman, uh, and uh, my Formula One racing podcast that I do with friend of the show, Ian Kimball, uh, F yeah, F1. Great. And you can find me on Instagram at the.oldsport or Twitter at bonjouroldsport. And also check out my other podcast, Cinematic Crypt, in which I go six feet under to uncover films of Hollywood's past. And you can find that wherever you catch pods or download at moviejohn.com. And Ryan, did you have a piece of advice for our listener today? Uh, I forgot. Why don't you go first and I'll, I'll find one real quick. Okay. So, okay. So I do have a piece of advice for today and it comes from Kathy Lutz. And she said, what I saw was not a cat. And all I have to say here is you need to listen to your wife. If she tells you that she saw red sinister eyes staring back at her, it was not a cat. It was probably Satan. And yeah, you should trust her and not pretend like it's Casper or something. (laughs) Because not all ghosts are friendly. That's true. And my piece of advice actually uh, comes from a similar place, uh, which is Thomas Sharp, uh, played by Tom Hiddleston, says, where I come from, ghosts are not to be taken lightly. Uh, and so I think that just reinforces everything yes. you said about the Amityville horror. And if someone says that they've seen a ghost, you can believe them because uh, why would they make that up? Yeah, ghosts, you know, you really got to be careful with ghosts. It could mm-hmm. go either way. As for Satan, though, I did learn in the burbs. Have you seen the burbs? Yes, I have seen the burbs. Okay, so Satan, though, he is good. And he is our pal, (laughs) according to art. Yes.
It's been a while so, since I've seen the burbs, but I do like that movie. So Satan good, ghosts maybe good. And that's where we leave you. Bye-bye. Bye.